the way and right attitude, God can, of course, in a sense, discipline happens in our lives as we submit ourselves to God and say, yes, God, I, I know that you can help me work through this. And it's my mistake, but I just thank you for your grace and help to, do and to, to negotiate uh, the things that I uh, blow up. You know, I just blow it in. But I want to just share this morning just for a time and uh, the time we have together. Uh, and I want to start with a story that I think will just uh, kind of bring us into the, the, what I want to share today. Um, and uh, the story starts like this. Um, there's a family who lived in a very isolated farming community. Uh, so isolated that, you know, in the little township that was, um, you know, a couple of kilometers away from their homestead, their farmhouse, there was only like one little grocery store and a post office and a couple other things. And it only had one little dirt street that went up through the middle. And yeah, there's a couple of people lived in the area. It was very small. And so all their lives. And the family consisted of a, of a mother. Don't forget YPs, Steve. <laughs> all the young people, 12 or 13 year olds, you're welcome to go. Because you wouldn't want to forget it. Like me. Uh, so the family... The family consisted of the, the mother and the father and the son. And the mother and the father were quite elderly in that they, you know, all their life they lived on the farm and just lived in this community, little farming community. And they were quite elderly now and they were a little bit, their age didn't allow them to, you know, work the farm as they'd like. But they had a very faithful son who was now in his mid-30s, never married, and he'd committed himself to the farm. And, you know, um, it was the kind of guy, he'd have a piece of straw in his mouth and a hole in his hat, and he just enjoyed farm life. But he used to drive his parents around. And his parents one day said to their son, you know, son, we need to go and see what they call the big city before we pass away. We need to see. We've never been there. We, let's go to the, big, the city hey, and see what it's really like. They talk about the city all the time. And so the son said, let's do it. And so they picked a weekend, and it took a couple of days to get there. And they were amazed as they drove, as the sun drove them into this incredibly large city and just thousands and thousands of people lived there and it had things called uh, stoplights and intersections and, and you know, uh, it, it was incredible. It had streets going everywhere and multi-layers and, and it had lots of people, lots of people and they came to a multi-story shopping center and, uh, and they parked in the car park, eventually found a car park, and they entered the shopping center together, you know, the mother, the father, the elderly mother and the father and the son. And the mother said, I'm just going to go and do a little bit of shopping by myself, and you boys just go and have a look around. And so the two, the father and the son started to look around and walk down the, the uh, you know, around the shops and look at all the shops. And they were amazed at everything they saw, but they were really amazed when they came to this place where there was two shiny silver walls and they would open and then they would close and it was amazing and they just stood there and, think, and the son said to the father what, what's that dad what's, what's that and he says I've never seen anything like it in my life not knowing what an elevator or a lift looked like he says I don't know what it is and then they were even more amazed because there was an elderly lady walked up to the, to the shiny moving doors and she pressed a button on the outside and, the, and, the, and, the, and these doors or walls just opened up and she elderly with a walking stick walked into this chamber and 
and it was and, and, the, and the walls closed in on her and consumed her and they were like what has happened to her you know they weren't quite sure and then they watched as the numbers above the elevator lit up one by one right up to the number 10 and then and then sequentially it came back in reverse from 10 9 8 right down to one again and they just stood in amazement and then they were even more amazed because the doors finally opened and out walked this slim tall beautiful blonde <laughs> And this father, without taking his eyes off the girl, said, son, go and get your mother. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good if change was that easy? Wouldn't it be good with the click of our fingers if we could change everything that we wanted to see changed in our lives? Wouldn't it be great if, if you know, that, that, that work situation, you could just go bang and it changes like that. That, 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 that? Maybe that boss who seems to have it in for you, or maybe, maybe even we get a little bit more personal. Some of those attitudes you know you just wish you didn't have sometimes, you could just change it and could just leave you and you never had a problem again with that situation or that circumstance. Maybe, you know, wouldn't it be great if sometimes if... if, if if, our, um, if we could just change our circumstances or change our neighbours. Not to have that, that neighbour that always wants to get cranky with me or whatever it may be. Wouldn't it be interesting if we could just, with the flick of the fingers, I mean, wouldn't it be good to change our bank balance with the flick of a finger? I mean, a lot of people try that from week to week. It's called Gold Lotto. But unfortunately, there's only a select few who can change their bank balance through that system of money-making. And... Literally millions of others never get there. And I suppose that's why it's probably not good to waste your money doing it. So there's, you know, if, 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 if you could just change how you looked, walk into some kind of chamber and walk out just younger again, you know. Um, never going to really happen. Never going to happen. The reality is, is that uh, it would be great if it was that easy, but we know that the, therein lies the problem because sometimes we want to change our circumstances around us. We want to, we, we're happy to change our location. We're happy to change the geography of around us. Uh, but, we, um, but the truth is, whenever we change our location or we maybe go to somewhere else and thinking, I'll be happier if I go there. You know what I've said before? The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. But the truth is, it's also cost. There's a bigger watering bill as well. And so we, we, we sometimes got to realize that just sometimes we want to change our circumstances. And when we change our circumstances, there's a problem with that because you've got to take yourself with you. And on the other side, where the grass is greener, you've still got the attitudes you've got to deal with, the things you want to see changed. And so that doesn't happen. The Bible actually says this in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. I, I love this verse, and you've heard me mention this before, but I bring it up again for the sake of what I want to say today about change, is that the issues you've got to realize, sometimes we look at life and we think, all the things that are happening to me are, that, uh, are someone else's issues or something else's issues. It's the issues out there around me that are causing my heartache and my problems. When really the Bible says the issues of life come from where? The heart. And, 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 and it's a fallacy to go 
wanting to blame all the issues around me. Now, I know these things happen that we are beyond our control and it creates issues for us, but it's always your attitude towards the issue that you really need to deal with in life, isn't it? And so it's always in here that the issue, as the, the, the wisdom of Proverbs says, out of, it, out of the heart springs the issues of life and not around in the circumstances. And you, can't, you can change your location, but sometimes it doesn't change the issues at all for your life. Um, the Bible has a classic story of change, a classic story of change. Jesus actually, it's recorded in a book called Luke in the New Testament part of the Bible. Luke was a doctor and he recorded some of the things Jesus said. And Jesus told these what is called parables. And this parable in Luke chapter 15, there were several parables about lost things. And one of them was the lost son. Everybody knows, I hope you know that story. You can call him the prodigal son, the lost son, the second son, the younger son, whatever you want to call it. I'm not going to read Luke chapter 15, verses 11, 24, but I will want to communicate it to you just for a moment. Is that okay? Just to give you the picture of what Jesus shared in this story, because it's a classical story of change. Because folks, when we look at it, what has to change in our lives? There's things that need to change. Someone just said attitude. Um, that, that's a biggie, isn't it? That's a reality. What, if we were here today and being honest with ourselves, is there some things you want to change in my life? I, I, there's things in my life I want to change. And, and when I look at this story, I see incredible, um, incredible principles that talk about how a young man went from being so selfish and so self-consumed to so humble and so willing to submit himself to his, not only his earthly father, but in a sense to his heavenly father. There was such a change happened. And, and I was impressed and encouraged by this story because, you know, I've read this story maybe a hundred times without a lie. And you've probably read it at least maybe more than that. And yet when you read it again and scratch below the surface of the prodigal son story, you see some incredible principles and truths again about how God wants us to live life free and whole and healthy and not caught up in the issues of our heart and how we can change that. And so there was this story. Let's look at it. If you're looking in your Bible, you're welcome to look at Luke 15, verses 11 to 24. You can write that down. But here it goes. There was a man who had two sons. He had two sons. He had an older one, a younger one. The younger one comes up to his father and says, Dad, I want you to give me my inheritance now. Now, in a Jewish family, you've got to realize that that's pretty disrespectful to say that to your father. And the reason is, is because the inheritance was only ever given to the sons when the father passed away or the parents passed away. And so quite literally, the younger son is saying to the father, I wish you were dead. <laughs> that's a pretty disrespectful comment, isn't it? But in a, in a sense, that's what he was saying. Now, the amazing part of this story is the father was incredibly gracious. And he gave his younger son the inheritance that would have been, would have been given when he passed away. And it says directly, it dives into the next verse in verse 13. The young man gathered all he had. And he set off to a distant country. He gathered all that wealth to himself that he was given. And you know what? In, in one verse, it just tells us his downfall. He squandered his wealth in wild living. He, he abused what he'd been given. And no doubt, 
He, did, he had some people that hung around and, uh, enjoy, and, and enjoyed his money at his expense. He had wild parties. He, he, I don't know what he exactly did. He just says, wild living. What, do you, what did you do at the turn, you know, in, um, uh, what did you do in 30 AD that was wild living? I don't know. Probably not much different to what we'd see today. You know, maybe alcohol involved, maybe, you know, loose women, loose lips. You know, all that type of thing was happening. And this young man spent all his wealth. And maybe that took it two years. Because in the space of 14 verses here, it's amazing how things happen. But we've got to appreciate that this maybe took more than just a couple days. This took quite a while, this whole process of this young man's life. And so he's wildly uh, living his life. He's probably got some hanger oners, some people who just thought they'd attach himself. And they probably helped him spend his money. And it says after he'd spent everything there came a circumstance that was beyond his control because there are circumstances that happen that are beyond our control. There came a famine in the land and everybody found no rain, no crops or be able to be watered, no food. And so the land went through a famine. And it was a bad timing for this young man because he'd spent everything he had. Now no one else has got anything and he began to be in incredible need. So what did this young man do? He thought, I oh, know what I'll do. I'll change my circumstances. I'll change my location. And I'll, uh, I'll go and find someone who can employ me. And I'll get a job. And I'll make some money. And I'll be right again. So he thought, you know what? I'll just change my location. And he found a piggery. He found a farmer who owned the pigs. And the, and the man who was a, uh, the farmer said, you know what? Yeah, I'll give you a job. You can go and feed the pigs interesting story for a Jewish young boy to be feeding pigs because that was probably the biggest no-no because uh, they saw pigs as a course, as you're aware, as unclean animals. So he's defiling even his belief system here. He's going pretty low. But the interesting story is, is that he went out and fed the pigs and he was slowly starving to death because it says in Scripture that he, he, he didn't have anything to eat. In actual fact, it says in Scripture this interesting comment. No one gave him anything in verse 16. No one gave him anything. Why didn't he receive anything? A couple reasons. Number one is because the farmer remembered it's a famine. And the farmer didn't have enough money to pay him probably any wage. He was just kind of saying probably to the young boy, you feed the pigs. And if you want to find new food, there's the pig food. You can have it to keep yourself alive. But he didn't want to eat the pig field. But he became skinnier and, and, and he didn't know what to do. He was literally starving to death. He was mal in malnutrition stages of, of, that, of life. And, and so we see this young man, he, he, he gets to this point and it says no one gave him anything. So the farmer didn't give him any wage to buy food. And number two, you've got to see something in this young man's life. He grew up with a father himself who was fairly rich. His father had servants. And back when he was growing up on the father's farm, he didn't have to want for clothing or for, for um, food or for shelter. Everything was provided for him. He had a rich dad. Uh, he, he was used to being given to. He was used to be getting all the time. And so when he received his inheritance, it was, it, it, I, I'd want to say to you that with confidence that this young man was pretty self-absorbed, selfish man, pretty, a young man, probably pretty greedy, and, and that's why he took his wealth and went away to a far country and ended up blowing it all because he was so used to just receiving. He's the kind of person you could say was a taker and not a maker. He didn't know how to make money. He didn't know how to make a living. But he knew how to take money. He knew how to take it and misuse it. 
And so now we come to this piggery and this farmer who's a piggery. And it, Jesus puts in his statement of the, telling this parable, no one gave him anything. Do you know why? Because he was always a person who was getting. And finally, he finds himself in a circumstance that he's, no one gives him anything. And so it's not such a strange statement to make after all, because this young man lived with a getting attitude. I would like to tell you that was the pattern of his life. That was the pattern of his life. Always getting, always having it laid out for him. He'd never had to take control of, of anything and be able to be a maker of a living and not just a taker. So we see he finally came, and in verse 17, right through the verse 24, there is a sudden change in this young man's heart attitude. He got to rock bottom, but he started to look up. And we see in Scripture, it says he came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have enough food and I, have, I am starving to death? In other words, what happened was he, he said, I'm going to change my circumstances one more time. But this time he had a change of heart attitude before he changed his circumstances. He came to his senses and he rehearsed a little speech he was going to do to his dad. And he says, you know, I'm going to get to my dad and say, dad, I've, I've sinned against heaven. In other words, God and against you, I've treated you disrespectfully and I want you to know I don't I'm not worthy to be called your son just called me a servant I'll work for you now and so he rehearsed that little speech and he got up out of that piggery and he started his way home his clothes were hanging off him his body was skinny and malnutritioned and so he um and the father was an incredible father because his father was every day maybe for the last two years had just hoped that his son was still alive and his dad had looked out the window of the family property, hoping that one day his son would walk back up the front, from the front gate, which was probably a couple kilometers away. And the son slowly but surely made his way back to his father's property. He got to the front gate, and his father, once again, like every day, had been praying for his son, and he, he went to the window to look, and he saw this skinny little male man coming up the driveway. His clothes are torn and hanging off him, and he realized it's his son. He didn't need a second opportunity. He rushed downstairs and he rushed to his son and he hugged his son. And the son got a part of his speech out. The, the son said, I want you to know I've sinned against heaven. And, not and his father said, didn't say stop, but he kissed him and hugged him. He said, servants, get a robe for this young man. Put some clothes on his body. Put a ring on his finger. Put some shoes on his feet. And that fatted calf we've been fattening for the celebration sometime in the future uh, for whatever it was going to be for. Well, this is a great time to kill that calf and let's celebrate. And it, so it says they took that young man and they had a party and they celebrated because the father said this, or Jesus said this, that he, uh, my son who was dead, He's alive, who was lost, has been found. What a wonderful ending to the story. Do you know what? I want you to know whatever struggle or whatever thing you want to see change in your life and your thing that wants to, maybe you feel wants to control you when, you, when you put your trust in God, He can bring an incredible ending to your story, which is all good. He can bring an incredible ending to your story, just like this young man. And we serve a God just like that. Like this father. Jesus was, so we serve a gracious father. It's not that he doesn't weigh up the realities of what we've done wrong. Of course that happens. And we see the consequences of our sin is played out in our bodies and we have to face it ourselves. But he's graciously extending his hand and looking for us and calling us back to himself if we've walked away. Or maybe for the very first time, calling him, calling us to himself. What a wonderful picture of what God is like. 
But we've got to see the picture here of this young man. Um, because it's an important question. How do, we, how do we change the things that need to change? How do we face those situations, those things that haunt us, that we desire to be different? Maybe the habit you want to break, the anger that wants to overtake you, and you just want to get rid of that anger. Or the struggle with maybe unforgiveness. Or the struggle with, let's be honest, lust. Or the struggle with anxiety and worry. Or whatever it may be that you just want to change. And maybe today you put your hand up and we were praying for that. Well, let's continue to believe for it, that that'll be broken. But how do we, how do we bring about change? Well, you know, the young man... The very first thing I see is this young man, he got, sick, he got sick of the product. You might say, what's the product? Well, it, it, it's really, there's nothing tricky about this. It's really, the truth is, it's really what it says it is. Because we see the young man got sick of the consequences of his bad choices. And that's why he said, you know what? He come to his senses and I'm going to go back to my dad. Um, we call that getting sick of what life is producing or we're getting sick of what we produce in life or the product of life. And, and, and the multiplying effect of this situation is of the famine and the young man who wasted all his living and he had not saved any money. He found himself at the bottom of the bottom and he had to, and he had to say, you know, something's got to change. And this young man had formed a pattern in his life and the pattern wasn't good, it was getting, and he had to change that, and he had to realize, I've got to go back to my father and give. Give him my service, give him my respect, give him my love. He had to change something within his heart. Can I, um, can I now just, take a, just illustrate this point for you this morning? Can everybody see this whiteboard? Can you see that, Kate? Um, you know, I want to illustrate, because I think this is a powerful thought that we need to grasp this morning when it comes to change. You know, when I was at school, at primary school, uh, mathematics was always my better subject, okay? Who is a better mathematician than English? Yeah, I was uh, English, very average. But mathematics, I, I was okay. Maybe that's why I went into engineering. But um, the reality is, is that the teacher, let's pick a grade, grade five. I'm probably about 11 years of age. Just imagine yourself 11. And your teacher says, I've got a problem for you to solve. It's a mathematical problem. Can you picture that? And the mathematical problem might be like this. You'll say, here's the problem. You've got... Um, You've got uh, six baskets of apples. How many is that? One, two, three, six. Six in each in each basket. Can you see all that? I, just imagine their baskets. In each basket, we've got um, we're going to have 111 apples in each basket. Is that cool? And he says, uh, he says, we've got six baskets, 111 apples in each basket. And then, uh, um, and this is the problem. How many apples do I have totally? So, yep. So I'd write on my piece of paper like you would. I'd go 111 times what? Six. And we'd come up with an answer. I just want you to understand something here. This here was called the problem. Is that right? The teacher would say, I want you to work out this problem. Okay? I'll tell you what else this can be called. This can be called the pattern. Okay? It's called the pattern. Because this is a pattern to get an answer. Now, um, we have many patterns in life, uh, in actual fact, but the answer to this question, if you know for multiplication, when you multiply one number by a number, another number, mathematically, they have, a, they have a, 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 um, a word for it, and you know what, the answer, the, the, what's the answer? 666. Is that right? And that's called, who knows what that's called? Yeah, answer. There's another mathematical word I've already mentioned. It's called the 
product. Do you remember that? I don't know. That, I'm, not, I'm not trying to tell you something that's not true. If you talk to any mathematician, they say you get the problem and you put the pro- multiply, when you multiply two variables together, you always get a product. Here's the product. The tr- trouble is we can look at the product and say, I don't like the product. You know what? I don't like that number, to be honest. <laughs> Just saying, it's not the best number. I wouldn't tattoo that from so my forehead or the top of my left hand. But apparently some will. Um, anyway, uh, it's not a good number. But we've got to understand, so that's the product. You know, we go through life and we see the product of our life. We see what our life produces and we don't like it. I've got some things in my life I don't like. And you know, it, it, and we, and we, as much as hard as you stare at that, you know the things we don't like. We don't like the, the way our body looks. We don't like the ways people spoke to us. We don't like the, the fact that maybe, you know, um, uh, what happens at work. It, it's not, I don't like what's happening at work. I don't like this. I don't like that. But it's all the product of life. It's all the answer. Um, you know, we can say... This is the answer, but really it's the product. So we don't like the product, just like I don't like that number. The thing is, we look at the product, or we look at what life's producing, and we say, um, we stare at it. You can stare at it as long as you like, and it's not going to change. You're not going to change the product, the output of your life. You're not going to change the answers that are coming in your life. You're not going to change it. And this could be many things, as I said, the things that we don't like, but the, the result is just like the young man. You know, the product of his life was a selfish attitude. That was his product. But here's the point I want to make this morning to you, folks. No matter how hard you try and pretty up the product or just maybe wish it away or wish it wasn't there, it'll never change. It'll still be a product. See, the problem is you can't change the product. The problem is you've got to change the pattern. You've got to change the pattern of your life to get a different product. And, and sometimes we can blame everything else. We can blame God and say, God, I didn't receive the blessing that I, I thought I should receive. I didn't receive the recognition that, or the opportunity that I thought that person should give me. I, I didn't receive this or I didn't receive that. I didn't, God, I, we can blame so many things. We can, uh, we can blame uh, just, uh, um, uh, what else did I have here? We can blame circumstances for the problem, just like the young man did, you know, for a season. Oh, I've got no money left. no. Or I went to the piggery and there's no money again. You know why? Because my pattern of my life, the pattern of the young man was get, 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 get. And he realized he had to change the pattern and go back to his dad and say, I'm going to give, 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 give of my life now and be a servant and not a son. Something had to change. And so many times I find that in my life, I've personally thought, I've got to change the pro- I don't like the output. I don't like that feeling of this or this or that or the attitudes. You know, and sometimes people, they make a mistake. They think, well, I don't, I don't like my wife or I don't like my husband, so I'll find a new one. They just change. But you know what? You're still going to take yourself with yourself because you're still going to get the same outcome. Sometimes people say, I'll just change my job. And yet they go to a new job and they find they have the same problems because they're trying to change the product and not trying to change the pattern of their lifestyle. Sometimes people go to, uh, you know, cities, oh, I'll just go to another city. People don't like me in that city. Or I'll go to another church. 
That's a good one. And uh, sometimes they go to another church, but they take themselves with them and they find the same problems because they, have had to deal, they haven't dealt with the pattern. They're just trying to deal with the product. And you get, the problem is not the product. The problem is the pattern. Do you get it? I thought, now, so, so how do we change... How do we change the pro- If it's true, if this mathematical equation, we've got to change the pattern. So let's change the pattern. Let's get how many baskets now? Seven? Seven's a good number. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So now we have a seven, one, 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 one. You know the story. So now it's 111 times seven is what? Seven, seven, seven. I like that product. That's a number I could use. But it's interesting, I didn't change the product, they just changed the pattern. And the product changed automatically. Thus ends the mathematical lesson. (laughs) So. See, we can't change the product unless we change the pattern, but you can't change those relationships unless you start to be, you know what? Kinder. You can't, you can't change your relationship with God unless you start to read his word and change the pattern of how you spend time with him. You can't change the way people respond to you unless you start to maybe start to be friendly. You can't change the way your children are behaving unless you start to give them some godly and good discipline and encouragement. You can't change the way your life is going unless you change the way you do life. And you can't change your work situation unless you change your work ethic. It's all about changing the pattern. It's not about changing the product. You'll see the product will take care of itself. It's like character and, um, and uh, what's the other word? Don't worry about it. I've forgotten it. A reputation. Reputation. You know what I said the other week? You know, you want a different, if you want a different reputation, change your character and you'll find reputation will look after itself. It's, that's all about seeing the problem as the pattern and not the product as the problem. So this young man, it says in verse 17, he came to himself. He had to realize he finally, in that whole coming to himself, finally realized he wouldn't have said this, but he realized he had to change the, the way he was doing life and the attitudes he had. And he had to change, he came to an understanding, I've got to give to my dad and not take from him anymore. I've got to give him respect and love and not just treat him as just another, you know, someone, uh, another person I can just use. And this whole young man's life started to change from that point. It wasn't easy. He had to get up out of the, he had to humble, you know, the, the interesting thing is as we go through this, I see some people, they hate the life they live, but they're never willing to change until they see something better. I tell you what, that's what Jesus and God wants to offer people, something incredibly better than the life they live now. But we see the people who come in of, into God and they walk away and in and walk away, in and walk away. Why is it happening? Because while they have a heart towards God, but they haven't changed the pattern to change the lifestyle they lead. And I want to tell you, if you want to get consistent in life, if you want to have a consistent marriage, if you want to have a consistent relationship, if you want to have a consistent um, uh, you know, uh, ch- relationship with God, I tell you, just learn to consistently do life in a good pattern and not a bad one. And stop, stop making excuses for all the bad products in your life. Blame everything else. Are you okay? But with that, we've got to stop blaming 
Sometimes we want to blame the tree for the fruit that's not there. Sometimes we want to blame circumstances for the problem. We want to blame people for the opportunity we didn't receive. We want to blame God for the blessing we didn't receive. We've got to stop blaming and we've got to understand that we've got to deal with the patterns of life. Because as we deal with that, it creates a consistency and a joy of the Lord can truly become your strength and your hope in future. And this young man, it's amazing in this course of, as I said, 14 verses, how much he did change. But he realized he had to stop changing, just going from circumstance to circumstance, going from the, you know, the place of famine to the pig pen, and he needed to go back to his father. But before he went back to his father, he needed to change the attitude in his heart. And he did, and it was a wonderful day for him and his father as they were reunited. You know, he saw a better product. I want to tell you the good news of Jesus Christ is a better product God of his office is something of life and hope and a future, isn't it? And uh, I love that. No better offer than what God offers us. Um, nothing better. And this is the final just thought here. He, he got rid of his proud ways. I know I didn't. You don't, you're probably wondering what the other points are. Don't worry about it. It's just all in one. But he gave, he gave up his proud ways. He had to surrender. You know, it says that he no longer, he says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just call me your servant. He humbled himself, didn't he? He humbled himself. He decided that, that the way he was living life was too self-absorbed, so selfish, and, so, and he was really, I think I can confidently say he was very proud. And yet he humbled himself. And as he presented himself to his father, he realized that a humble heart is a heart that uh, is um, you know, willing to, to surrender. There's an interesting verse. Jesus in Philippians 2.8, it says this, Jesus being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the what? Cross. Isn't it interesting? Jesus had to humble himself. Wasn't Jesus humble enough? Of course he was. But you know, we see that he had to take it, uh, you know, he had to take it to the next level. His humility means he had to die to self. And it's not that he wasn't capable it's just that we see he did it. He was totally God, yet totally man. So we had this humanistic part of him that he had to make sure was dead and didn't rise up. And there's a, we're all humanistic, in a sense. We're humans because we have a part of us that wants to rise up and be proud and say, no, I'll do life my own way, thank you. I don't need a God to help me. I don't need a father to help me. And this young man humbled himself. It's interesting, it says, whenever you see the word humble in the Bible, you'll see another word right beside it, himself or herself. Do you know, you can't pray for humility. You say, can't I? No, you think about it. The Bible says you've got to humble yourself. You could pray that God will give you strength to continue to yield your heart to him, but you can't pray for humility You've got to do it. You've got to make a decision in your life that I'm going to just humble myself. I'm going to give over myself. And it's interesting because Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. And we know the story of Easter where Jesus died on a cross and then died, took out sin. He was the ultimate sacrifice. And then, of course, Jesus rose again and gave us victory as well. Over, we can have victory as well over our sin and our past. But the reality is, is we all have to... Humility is a dying to self, isn't it? It's a dying to our ways that we think we can do this on our own. We can look after ourselves, thank you. I've got it all together. It's not a weak thing to be humble. It's not a weak thing. It's a strength to walk in humility. 
and saying, it's all about what God does in me and not just about me and me and me and more of me. And this young man, he humbled himself as he, dis- as he came to his senses and realized, what I'm doing is not working. I hate the product, so I'm going to change the pattern and I'm going to do something different. And he walked out of his old life and he literally walked into a new life, into a better life with his earthly father. But more importantly, we can walk into a better life with our heavenly father and walk with him. Some of you have already know the, the principle of this. You've changed the pattern and you, you, that's why you're here. You're happy, you're glad, you're excited. I've broken through. But maybe today there's some things that just aren't broken. And I know we prayed this morning for those things. But I want to encourage us that we serve a God. It says in Isaiah 57, verse 15, it says, For thus says the Lord, so, so thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite. Contrite means sorry and repentant heart and a humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. In other words, what God is saying here, he says, you know, I dwell in a, in a high and lofty place. You know, those with a humble heart and those who are repentant and those who seek me and put me first, they'll dwell with me in that high and mighty place. Not for us to look down on other people, but for us to enjoy the blessing of all that God has. Not for us to be able to stand in judgment and say, oh, them, and I'm doing better than them. No, but for us to realize, unless it was for the grace of God, there goes I. That's humility. And that's what Jesus, and that's what Isaiah said, the prophet said, come on, a contrite heart, God will never resist. But you know what it says in Scripture in 1 Peter? It says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. As, and this young man, as he realized that he could never do it on his own, he needed to surrender. He came into so much peace, joy, and hope, and happiness as he put God first. You know, there was a, there was a guy called Henry Ford, and you might recognize his surname, but he was the guy who established the Ford Motor Company in America. In 1908, he created the Model T Ford, a car that he made accessible to every human being on earth. He made it affordable. And then literally thousands and thousands and thousands of Model T Fords rolled out across not only America, but even into other parts of the world. Henry Ford created something that everybody wanted. It was such a wonderful car. It was a long time ago, 1908. Not many of us around in those days. I understand that. But interesting enough, as the years went on, General Motors Holden started a car company, and other car companies rose up in Europe. <clears throat> and what happened was people started to buy those cars instead of the T-Model Ford. Now, the engineering side of Henry, Henry Ford's company realized this, and so they produced an updated T-Model Ford version. It had better, better um, traction, it had better things on it, better horn, everything was better. And they presented it to Henry Ford, not, you know, thinking, wow, he'll be excited. Do you know Henry Ford went up to that car with his bare hands, literally destroyed the car. He dented every panel, he smashed the windows, he ripped the upholstery. And you know why he did that? It's because he couldn't imagine ever having anything else but the Model T Ford that he originally designed and got built. He couldn't see the change that needed to happen in the world. He couldn't, he couldn't grasp it in his mind. He thought, if they're not going to have the Model T Ford that I built, we're not going to have any cars. And you know what? It nearly cost him the whole company 
Finally and eventually, he handed over to family members and the, the Ford company continued to expand and go forward. But Henry Ford, the one who created it, couldn't see change. It almost brought the death of the company and the death of him. I want to say today, don't hold on your pat, onto your pattern of life because if you do, it could bring death. Without change, you could find it could start to destroy you. Don't let that happen. Let God bring a change and let the pattern be changed. Let's stand this morning as we come before him. We're going to sing one more song and finish. But you know what? It just takes a surrendered moment, just a surrendered moment to him. It just takes a moment in time where you make a decision to say, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to walk back to my father. And while you were here today in this place, I just want you to consider that. I want you to challenge yourself and just see that thing that I want to see change. I hate the product. I don't like this life. But I'm going to have to stop seeing the product as the problem. I need to see the pattern that I've formed in my life to be broken. And I'm going to pray again for you this morning where we are right now. And I want you to to, uh, just believe in your heart as well again. Right now, Father, today, as people, there's probably little things or maybe there's bigger things or whatever adjective we want to put on it. But there's things probably in all of our lives that we just decide to be broken and dealt with. We, Holy Spirit, we know it's not possible just with uh, just an earthly understanding, but we need a spiritual understanding of your Holy Spirit can come into our heart and life and break the patterns in our life. And we ask for your strength, Holy Spirit, right now. And every young person, every older person, every senior person, every child, every person in this building, we would ask that you'd help us, Lord, to humbly bow before you and surrender and allow you to come and invade our minds and lives so that you can be glorified and that there can be wholeness and health in our lives, Father, not just for today, but for tomorrow and next week and every week and every year of our lives until our passing from this earth. We need you, Father God, to do that so that we can be better husbands, better wives, better parents, better children, better friends, better employers, better employees, better what we can do. Father, we need you for that so we can be better witnesses for you, Lord. Father, we ask for your strength. Come, Holy Spirit. And as we sing this last song, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll fall and touch hearts and lives of people in Jesus' name. Come on. I'm believing. Come on. I'm just going to believe as we pray.
All but dead, left for dead beneath the waters. I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore.